Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know that Samuel is a book about King David. And David, as we've talked about many, many, many times, you should already know this by heart. David reigned as king in Israel a total of 40 years, seven and a half years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. Um, Second Samuel, I told you, I gave you the outline. I'll give it to you again. It's been a couple of weeks. Second Samuel divides nicely into three sections. Chapters 1 through 10, we find David's triumphs. In chapters 11 through 12, we find David's trials. And in chapter 13 through 24, we find David's troubles. David's triumphs, David's trials, and David's troubles. That's the whole book. Tonight, we complete the first section of David's triumphs in chapter 10. Now, if you've been with us, you know that David and Israel is occupying Jerusalem for the very first time in a long time. Although David was surrounded by enemies, uh, the Philistines we talked about the last time were to the left or on his left, and the Syrians are to the north, the Moabites are to the east down by the Dead Sea, and the Edomites to the south. So Israel is surrounded by enemies. Chapter 8, in verse 1, the Bible tells us that David launched a preemptive strike against the Philistines and defeated the Philistines. He subdued the Philistines. Again, this is the first time that the nation of Israel subdued the Philistines. David took the city of Gath, Uh, out of the control of the Philistines. That's a big deal because you know the city of Gath was occupied by the Philistines, and Goliath is from the city of Gath. Uh, They defeated, uh, the Israeli people defeated the Moabites, and they measured, David defeated them. Remember the last time he measured them off with a line, and all of the um, tall people were killed. And all of the short people uh, were allowed to live. And I mentioned to you that that was a really good day to be short. Remember? Because they were all allowed to live. David heads north. Uh, He took back some territory from King Hadadezer. There in chapter 8, all the land God promised Abraham from Egypt to the great rivers Euphrates, David defeated the king of Zobah. He defeated King Hadadezer, took gold. We talked about all this. He took gold and silver, and he bought them to Jerusalem. David acquired mass wealth from neighboring countries. David was taking armies and taking names. 
Second Samuel chapter 8, verse 10 tells us that King Hamath bought David gold and silver and bronze. And in verse 11, David dedicated all the things that people gave him. He dedicated them um, to uh, the Lord. He, he, the people, nations gave him gifts, and uh, David gave it to the Lord. The last time, not last week, but the week before in chapter 9, David had a victory. Um, he's had victories after victories. And now David there in chapter 9 is sitting comfortably on the throne. And while he's looking at the expanse of the kingdom, David begins to think about his best friend, Jonathan, who is dead. Before Jonathan died, David and Jonathan, they were like brothers. And before Jonathan died, he made or had David make a covenant or promise to him that um, with, if David outlived him, that David would show kindness to his family forever. And David wants to keep that promise here in chapter 9. He, there in chapter 9, he wants to keep that promise now. So in chapter 9, David asked this guy named Ziba, he said, is there anyone still alive from the house of Saul? And Ziba said, yeah, there's this guy. Um, his name is Mephibosheth. He is the son of Jonathan, and he is lame in both feet, and he is living in a place called Lodabar. I told you Lodabar means barren, uh, unfruitful, uh, no greenery. He's living in Lodabar. David immediately sent for him. The last time we talked about many, many things regarding Mephibosheth. If you missed that teaching, um, I really, really strongly encourage you to stop by the bookstore and pick up that teaching on uh, Mephibosheth. And it was just a wonderful teaching uh, and so many wonderful applications as we look at the life of Mephibosheth and we look at our lives and how Mephibosheth was lame in both feet and crippled. And if it had not been for David, we would not even know of Mephibosheth. And if it had not been for David, David uh, Mephibosheth would have uh, been living in barrenness and unfruitfulness and, 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 and no greenery, no life. And, and David meets Mephibosheth and invites him to sit at his table forever. He will sit at the king's table forever. And then we made the correlation. Were you with me? We made the correlation between Mephibosheth and us. And how we were born barren. And we were born lame. Not in our feet. In our nature. Our sin nature. And if it had not been for Jesus, nobody would know you either. If it had not been for Jesus, you would not be a Christian. And then God also then invites you to sit at his table continually forever. Someday we'll all be in heaven with the Lord sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb and uh, we made so many, many, many correlations with that. We could keep you here for the rest of the night just talking about that again. We won't do it, but I'm going to encourage you to, to stop by the bookstore and pick up that CD copy. If you, don't, if you don't have like four bucks, I think, I don't even know how much they cost. What are they, sweetie, four bucks? Three bucks? Three bu They're not four bucks. Oh, man, we need to. Inflation, those things have been four, them things have been three bucks for 25 years. We need to go up a little bit. 410, 425, three bucks. Okay, if you don't have three bucks, just take one. If you don't have three bucks, 
if you don't have three bucks, all right? If you have three bucks, pay the three bucks, all right? So David, now we come to chapter 10. And David is still in a giving mood. David still wants to show kindness. Tonight in chapter 10, David shows kindness, but it isn't received very well. I'll tell you more. I've titled this sermon, War and Peace. 2 Samuel chapter 10, saints. I think you'll like this chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 10, uh, we're looking at verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. And it happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died. And Haman, or Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. And so David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Haman, their Lord, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow us? Therefore, Hanan took David's servants and shaved off their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks. The Bible just tells it just like it is, doesn't it? <laughs> at their, you know, if I hadn't written the book the Bible, I would have said at their hinder parts <laughs> or at their rears, like in review mirrors, but. God says it right up, at their buttocks, and sent them away. And verse 5, when they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And King, and King David said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. And when the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Bethrehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and from the king of Makkah, 1,000 men, and from Ishtab, 12,000 men. Now, when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of mighty men. And then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Bethrehob, Ishtab, and Makkah were by themselves in the field. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. Chapter 10, David showed kindness or wanted to show kindness to uh, the pagan king, King Ammon, who died. His son is named Hanan, Hanan. And of course, he came to the throne after his father died. Well, in verse 2 of chapter 10, David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father had shown kindness to David at some point. So David simply wanted to send condolences to Hanan because his dad is dead. Now, it's interesting to me, and it just kind of struck me uh, today, that um, David is, is a rough guy. David is a tough guy. David is a man of war. But David is, is kind of an old softy. When you kind of read between the lines and you see just little, little peaks of, David is kind of like an old softy. He's very kind. He's very gracious. David 
thought the son was grieving, and so he sends word of comfort and condolence because Hanan's father, who was gracious to David. Now, we don't know where Nahash showed kindness to David, probably during the time that David was running from Saul. We don't really know, but, we, but he did, David said. So David sends his servants, in verse 2, to the people of Ammon. Keep in mind, these men that David is sending, this is very important, listen. These men that David is sending are David's trusted men. These are David's kind of ambassadors. These guys are the best of the best. These are trained military men. Uh, They've grown with David. They've moved about with David. They've fought with David. These are the best of the best. No doubt these are good men, men who are close to David. Then David sends these men to bring condolences. And the Ammonites said to Hanan in verse 3, Do you think that David really honors your father? Maybe they're spying on us. They said, Hanan, this is a trick. These guys want to make war and overthrow us. They said, King Hanan, you can't trust David. Look at verse 4. Hanan took David's servants and humiliated them. They shaved off the half the beard, cut their robes in the middle so that their buttocks were out, and then sent them away. Now listen, there's nothing like trying to do something nice for somebody and they take it the wrong way. That ever happened to you? It's like you want to do something nice for somebody and they take it the wrong way. How many wars have begun because people were suspicious and they jumped to judgment? How many understandings or misunderstandings have there been because of misunderstandings? Uh, Especially nowadays in, in text, listen, if you have to tell somebody something that is difficult or something that needs some explanation or something that needs some tone or something that, need, that, that, that people need to look in your eyes and they need to see what you're saying so they can feel what you're saying and get your heart, don't send it through a text. Am I right about it? Don't send it through. A t- don't even send it through, through an email. Some people are not good. I, I, I consider myself a fairly good writer. I consider myself a fairly good writer. I won't send a text or an email about something that is difficult or challenging or something I need to explain or something that needs to be said in person. Listen, young people, there's this thing that we call communication. It's actually, listen, you really talk to someone. Some of y'all are like, really? You mean, you don't periscope? Nope. You don't text? Nope. Come on, Instagram. Nope. Facebook? Nope. We talk. Whatever happens, it's, it's fastly becoming a lost art. This week... I sent that, I sat at my desk this past week and I wrote out a bunch of cards. Uh, you know, I get a bunch of cards, I get these cards ordered. And I wrote out a bunch of cards and I sent them to people and I just wanted to say something to them, so I sent them to them. And I wrote them and I hand wrote them. And it occurred to me, do you know that's becoming a lost art of just handwriting? Is becoming a lost art. As a matter of fact, my handwriting is sloppy now. I used to have good penmanship. 
Ooh, there's your word for the day. <laughs> penmanship. You ever heard? Some of y'all have never even heard that word. Penmanship. Have you heard that word? Penmanship. That's your handwriting. That's what we called it. That's what you, that's what you call writing. Penmanship. I used to have really good ones. I went to Catholic school. And one thing them nuns are going to teach you, they're going to teach you how to write. Hold that pen wrong and see what happens. <laughs> if you hold the pen wrong and them nuns come by, I don't know how they do it. Just they, they got the robe. They got the the robe and the big sleeves, and you, you're sitting there, and, they, and you, you know, you're doing your letters. I will never forget this. You're sitting there doing that. I don't know how they do it. I think it's like a, an, an automatic, um, a retractable ruler <laughs> under their sleeve, and it just sh- and goes right back in. They, you never even see it coming. <laughs> you don't see it. It doesn't come out slowly. It just, you just feel it, and then it disappears. It's amazing. You hold the pen wrong. You get, if you go to Catholic school, if you've gone to Catholic school, you know I'm right about it. They will teach you good penmanship. Write things down. Don't, let's not lose the art of communication and talking to each other. How many misunderstandings because a text was written wrong? Uh, some real misunderstandings because they have the autocorrect and then you just uh, boom, boom, boom. I sent one one time and my son sent me back and said, Dad, your language. <laughs> and I read it. I went, oh, that's not what I was meaning to say. <laughs> he goes, Dad, your language. And I'm like, I read him. What do you mean my language? I looked at it. I went, oh, man, because the autocorrect said something that Let's move on. (laughs) David is trying to do something nice. And because Hanan is hanging around negative people, feeding him negative information leads to trouble. I've said this. Got your pen? I've said this. Write this down. There are basically two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. Basement people and balcony people. Basement people and balcony people. Basement people are negative people always trying to pull somebody down. Balcony people are positive people always trying to lift somebody up. Basement people will say you can't give up. It's over. Balcony people will say you can. Don't give up. It's not over until God says it's over. Balcony people say, keep going for Jesus. Keep loving Jesus. Don't get weary. Balcony people say, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding to the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. That's what balcony people say. Balcony people are encouraging people. Basement people are discouraging, censorous, judgmental people. Always looking for the hidden agenda. In our text, these men are surrounding Hanan, are, are, are basement people. So the men of Ammon treated David's men shamefully and humiliated them, shaved their heads, exposed their backsides, and God gives us the details and sent them away. Now listen, according to the Jewish tradition and the Torah, the beard was a symbol of masculinity and kind of manliness, like machismo. In that culture, beards were a sign of honor. In that culture, only slaves and servants were shaved. Free men wore beards. Sometimes men would even swear by their beards. So, you know, like you say, like, uh, man, I'm telling you the truth on my mama. On my mama, I'm telling you the truth. Well, they would say, man, I'm telling you the truth on my beard. 
I'm just trying to put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. On my beard, I'm telling you, man, on my beard, it was just a point where they would swear by their beard. Or if somebody was grieving, they would tear their beard out of their face. I think of Ezra Bible students. I think of Ezra chapter 9. Ezra heard the people were intermarrying with pagans. You know the story. And the Bible says that Ezra cried before God and pulled out his beard. And the people saw Ezra pulling out his beard. And they cried. And they repented. Repented. On the other hand, Nehemiah heard the people were intermarrying with the pagans. And Nehemiah didn't pull out his beard. Nehemiah pulled out their beards. Amen. And that's the way to do it. I'm going to pull my beard out. I'm going to pull your beard out. He pulled their beards out. And again, the Bible tells us the people cried and they repented. So listen, what the Ammonites did was embarrassing and humiliating and basically spitting in David's face and, and his kindness. So now it's not just embarrassment. This is a declaration of war. So I'm thinking, okay, God, what do you want us to know from this? Well, think about this. When you share the gospel, you're bringing gifts, if you will. You're bringing good news. You might even say you're sharing condolences. You're giving hope. But even though when we are sharing the best and giving hope and giving gifts, people like Hanan will cut and expose you. People like Hanan will mock and laugh at you and call you a Jesus freak. Paul told Timothy there will be Hanan's in your world. But you need to be ready. Second Timothy 3.12. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Anybody know? Persecution. You know that. Jesus said in Matthew 5.11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I think God wants us, got your pen? I think God wants us to share the best and prepare for the worst. Share the best and prepare for the worst. Getting ahead of myself, but then you're going to see the enemy drive back. Getting ahead of myself, you'll, you'll, that's, that comment will make sense in just a second. Look at verse 5. When David found out about it, he sent a message to his men to wait in Jericho until their beards grew back and then come home. This would avoid their further embarrassment. Verse 6, when the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive. Look at verse 6. Y'all looking at verse 6? Repulsive to David. Now listen, you got to love the King James. Because the King Jimmy says, when the, now we read New King Jimmy. The King Jimmy, if you're reading King Jimmy, it says, when the children of Ammon saw that they had stank before David. You got to love the King Jimmy. Don't you love it? You got to love it. They were stanky. And they knew it. The people of Ammon went and they hired the series of Beth Rehob and Zobah and hired several centers in Syria, a total of 33,000 men. First Chronicles 19.6 tells us they paid Ammon a thousand talents. That's a lot of money. So obviously they realized they insulted David and there's going to be a problem. In verse 7, David sent Joab and all the mighty men. Now, now I point this out because this is the first time that David calls them mighty men. In First and Second Samuel, this is the first time David calls them mighty men. 
Keep in mind, these are the same men. Are y'all listening tonight? Y'all awake? Okay. Keep in mind, these mighty men are the same men who showed up in the cave uh, in 1 Samuel 22. Uh, in the cave of Adullam, these men come to David, and the Bible says that they were in debt, distressed, and discontent. Now, these same men who showed up in debt, distressed, and discontent are now a mighty force for David. These are now mighty men of God, trained men. Some of them have gone on to become David's ambassadors and dignitaries, and some of them are David's SEAL team members. These are really important guys and, 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 and strong men. They were distressed and discontent and in debt, and now they're mighty men of God. And listen, there is a sermon in there. We don't have time for it tonight, but that is exactly what God does. Is that right? God, God takes us who are in debt, discontent, and distressed, and he transforms us, and he uses us. And changes us. I think Sunday I talked about a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And that transformation that takes place. That's a whole other sermon. But that's what God does. Well, look at verse 8. The children of Ammon came out. And they set up the, at, at, set up at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Bethrehob, Ishtab, and Maccab were in the field. Now look at verse 9. And we'll read through verse 19 and wrap this up. Look at verse 9. When Joab saw that the battle line, in verse 9, you looking at it, say amen. When Joab saw that the battle line was against him before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.